We live with another episode for the love of the game. It's your host, Larry Webb, with my two co-hosts, Zay and RJ, and a friend of the show, Mad Dog Mike. What it do? Doing good, Larry. Do? How are y'all? What it do? What it do? Go Vols. <laughs> Zay, he's somewhere. Uh, he'll be connecting real soon. I don't know. Hey man, we got a special guest here today, man. Uh, been trying. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, for a while. Uh, Mr. Eddie Rojas, man, the man himself, the man with the plan, um, the successor, entrepreneur, former Gator baseball player, uh, businessman, on his own, uh, on his own company. Um, he's proud of you being a Gator. Proud of what you've done. Everything, man. Tell the people what's up. Hey, thank you so much for that nice intro. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, man, being a Gator has been great to me. Um, I could bore you guys with the details on my life and what, what it's done for my life. But, um, you know, I, it's funny. I, 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 you know, obviously I started the Gator Collective, the first NIL in Gator history. But the most amazing thing to me is just to be a fan and to, like, uh, be part of the fandom that is the SEC and the Florida Gators and all the competitive aspects to being um, following the team and taking my kids to the game and teaching them about the pageantry and the excitement and the down times, which we've had a lot of those, right? Uh, and the great times, you know, um, I'm, I'm pleased to say in my life, I watched our team win three national championships, go to four national titles in, in football. I watched our basketball team win two national championships and go to three national championships. They went to school when I was in school and I was going to school with Udonis Haslam and Mike Miller and Teddy DuPay and that team, uh, you know, uh, and in baseball, I watched my baseball team win a natty. And then I watched them lose this year in the national championship. So, man, being a Gator spoiled me. Uh, but but we always remember the hard times, too. You know, the shoe that flew through the swamp against LSU, um, you know, uh, and some of those other games that just were heartbreaking uh, that we've experienced over the years. But, man, uh, you know, all in all, you know, my life as a Gator has been amazing. Um, uh, you know, most of you guys know I'm, I own a financial advising firm. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even, I don't even think I took a math class when I went to school in Florida, to be honest, uh, which is kind of interesting, but that's how life comes at you, right? You kind of learn stuff as you go. And, uh, today, you know, manage a financial advising firm, manage about $4 billion, a few million investors nationwide, uh, that we invest their money for them with stock bonds of wall street. So, uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Whatever you guys want to talk about, let's go. Oh man, man, that's great, Brett. That's great. So, this how you how you end up just starting your well. Let's just let's tell you originally from New York City, right? Yeah, Brooklyn, New York. So I grew up in Brooklyn, you, New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, not Marcy Projects, though. Right? Nah, my mom was born in the Marlboro Projects, uh, okay. and uh, well, I, I was born in Prospect Park, which at the time wasn't nice. Prospect Park uh it was it wasn't so as nice as now and then you know we moved so i was a i was the youngest of three boys uh you know single mom my mom had an eighth grade education she would you know she struggled she was one of 10 children my she was first i was the first generation born in the united states um you know my mom was born in puerto rico my dad was born in puerto rico and so uh but so but i was first generation born in the states but you know as a kid, when you grow up in the city and you don't have really money or anything like that, what do you do, man? You gravitate towards sports. So, you know, like everybody else on my block, we played basketball every day. We played base. Uh, we played. We go to the yard, play baseball. Everyone was big Yankees fans and that kind of thing. 
and then we'd watch our New York Knicks, and uh, and I became a Giants fan. So baseball was the thing I started getting real good at at a young age. Um, I loved football too, but it just uh, when you at the time it's very different than today. When you grow up in Brooklyn, New York, football. Uh, while we love football, you kind of play basketball or baseball more. Basketball is probably number one uh, up in the city, um, and so that's why I took to that. Um, started getting really good. So all these business guys would want me on their travel team. And that kind of got me out of the city a lot. And so I'd end up going to like the A, I play AAU junior Olympics. And so I'd go to like Tennessee and was picked up and these rich guys would pay for my plane ticket and all that stuff. And then, uh, one came to one tournament in Cocoa beach, Florida, um, would never be able to afford to come down here otherwise. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and then I, 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 it was funny cause I started, I was a starting pitcher for the New York city, New York, New York state team. And we were playing Puerto Rico in round one of the tournament. And I struck out 16 and threw, threw a shutout against Puerto Rico. And there was a college coach, college coach walking around. I was 14 at the time. And that's when uh, University of Miami was the first team to recruit me. They flew up. They sent me on a recruiting visit to Miami. Um, they liked me a lot. And then other teams started coming on board. Um, and then uh, uh, I ended up um, – I was going to go to Miami up until August – uh, and then I didn't have enough money because they don't give you full rides in, in baseball like they do in football, um, you know, because of because of Title IX, you, you, uh, there's only 11.2 scholarships for every 50 players. So you get like books or you get some. Or, and so instead, I took I, I went to UCF and that's where I played my freshman year. But like a lot of these kids, and this is a great story, like a lot of these kids, I got cut after my freshman year at UCF. They took my scholarship away and I had nowhere to go. My mom luckily moved to Orlando at the time. Cause I was her last son. So she moved here. And so I didn't even know if I was ever going to play baseball again after my freshman year. And so um, I had nowhere to go really. I had no apartment or anything like that. And then my buddy was going up to fellowship of Christian athletes camp and they said, Hey, they're looking for camp counselors, camp counselors at FCA camp. And uh, you have a place to live for the summer and they'll give you like food and all that. If you'll be a camp counselor, I said, shoot, where do we, where are we, when are we leaving? So we went up to North Carolina, the blue Ridge mountains and the guest speaker was Danny Werfel. And uh, so I got to meet Danny Werfel and um, started, uh, met a girl while I was there with her family. And her dad was the assistant head of coach to Steve Spurrier. And so um, that kind of was my first introduction to Florida, University of Florida. Oh. And uh yeah, so I was I was telemarketing at night, and then I was like, you know what? I, I got the itch to play baseball. I know I'm good. I know I can play again. So I started working out in the off season and uh, let my 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 uh, girlfriend's dad put in a, a word with the baseball coach, and he kind of was like, hey, I know this kid. I can't really say if he's good or bad, but maybe you give a look at him. And so he had this guy work out with me in in Orlando. The guy's name was David Eckstein who went on to win the World Series MVP for the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't know if you guys know David Eckstein. But so that's kind of how uh, I ended up walking on to the baseball team for the Florida Gators, graduated from Valencia with an AA, was a walk-on. But I came on as the 25th pitcher out of 25 pitchers. So I was never going to see the field. Um, from there, uh, I, I, you know, but I was motivated at this time. I was a junior. I already got cut once. I shaved my head. I got my body down to about 4% body fat. And from there, I was like, all right, I got to devote myself to playing for the Gators. If you're going to play for the Gators, you got to be really good. And so I taught myself a splitty. Um, I had a nasty changeup. I was working on my craft all the time. 
And I went from number 25 all the way down by the end of fall to the number eight pitcher on the staff, which meant that I was going to see the mound and I made the travel squad. So, uh, you know, at Florida, you got 25 pitchers, only eight are going to pitch roughly six to eight. That'll be the only thing I see about. Well, I went from number eight uh, and this was the year 2000. And I ended up winning pitcher of the year at Florida in 2000, going six and oh. And against the volunteers, I was SEC pitcher of the week. Uh, I threw a guy through like seven shutout innings against oh, them. Lord. And this is an <laughs> interesting story. My final win at Florida was against the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens. That was my 10th win, which actually qualified Florida record books. And I think I have the third highest winning percentage now in Gator history. And so that was all she wrote. I graduated in 2001, uh, moved to Orlando and uh, started started looking for a career like everybody else. Wonder what I could do with my life. So. That was my Florida life, my Florida career there. Dope, dope. So you never had yeah, got dope. a shot at the majors or the minors or anything like that? No, the, the majors and minors decided against me. I didn't throw hard. <laughs> so I was I was a crafty lefty, and they're always looking for those big donkeys that throw like 100 miles an hour. Well, I wasn't that guy. And so I was the kind of guy that, you know, about 85 miles an hour, had great control, would get outs. Uh, I was a great competitor. I didn't throw very hard. But for college, I was great. But I kind of knew by my senior year I was not going any further than this. But I, I got to fulfill my dream and do really well in college. And I also wanted to make money. I had no money. I had no car, no money. I was leaving Florida. And I was like, man, I got to find a way to make money. And uh, and so I started working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, like a lot of former athletes, putting in about 65 hours a week. Uh, so and I was renting cars, meeting all these businessmen. I'd be in a tie, sweating my sweat my butt off in the middle of August, getting his car clean. Hey, what do you do for a living? You know, like talking to him constantly. And uh, luckily for me, the mentor for the company, because Enterprise is a great company, they, they actually issue you a mentor, a business mentor. So you go to, you know, you go to lunch, you get to spend time with them. So for me, uh, the mentor was the head of their fleet services outside sales division. So he'd always have this sweet suit and he wouldn't be sweating at a rent-a-car branch like me because he was business to business sales. So he's always had a nice suit. I was like, man, how do I get into fleet services? And so did really well in rent-a-car, got promoted to outside sales. That was my first experience doing business to business sales, uh, professional sales, outside sales. Um, and uh, and then I, I met this uh, through that, you know, you meet people. That's why I always say be kind to people. You never know what kind of roads you never know who's going to pave that path that's going to change your life. So I meet this guy and he's like, hey, man, my company has a, has an opening to sell 401k plans. I didn't even know what 401k was at the time. I couldn't spell 401k. And so but it, but I but I knew how to talk and I was pretty good at sales uh, where I was. But I kind of hit a ceiling on how much you can make. And so um, so I went and interviewed to sell 401k plans. They took me up. I worked for this company called Paychecks. Um, and that was my first introduction into stocks, bonds, and Wall Street because I would sell 401k plans, but I'd have to work with financial advisors that Merrill Lynch and Smith Barney and Goldman Sachs, and I would have to give them these 401k plans. And so I started like looking at what those guys do. Uh, and over the years, and I worked, for, I worked there for over a decade. And so uh, over the years, I ended up, um, I ended up, um, um, I, I ended up, uh, sorry, hold on, guys. I got these no, kids behind me. Yeah. So um, over the years, I ended up uh, uh, having conversations, and they would say to me, Eddie, when you get the chance, you really should try to sit and become a financial advisor, sit for your exam. And so uh, I started business planning what it is to be a financial advisor, hanging around them. They said, Eddie, if you don't know anything about stocks, bonds, and Wall Street, just put on Fox Business in the morning 
and just listen to the lingo, right? You start learning the language, like being like playing, like playing quarterback, right? You know, Omaha 832Z, right? You hear all this stuff. Well, in, in investing, that's that's what's it, what's an option? What is it when you're straddling a stock? What's a short-term bond versus a long-term bond? What is a, a yielding uh, 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 inverted yield curve? What you know? What is you know? Why do things matter? What is the prime interest rate? What's LIBOR? You start hearing all these things, like it becomes a language. And so I knew I started. I knew I was interested to become a financial advisor. I knew I always wanted to become a guy that made a lot of money, that got into the seven-figure and eight-figure income, and be worth you know a lot of money. I knew I wanted to do that. And um, and so like anything else, I, I knew I had the ability and the niche to sell. I found a niche, uh, and then I took out a business partner in 2000. Me and my wife, we 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 got married, we got pregnant. 30 days later, after marriage, we opened our first company. My wife was also a licensed financial advisor. We took on a business partner. This was in 2009, um, and I, we started a company called 401k Generation. And this is 2010, I think we incorporated. Um, at the same time, I was working two jobs. I was working for paychecks, but I was referring the financial advising opportunities to uh, so as one of my partners, Tom Ruggi and my wife, who were the advisors on the plans I was selling. So it was like natural synergy. It's as if, you know, you work for a tire company or you work for a car company and you had the opportunity to refer the, the maintenance over to a service department that you happen to be part of as well. And so started doing that for a few years. By 2014, we got to a point where I was able to, I'm sorry, 2012, we got to a point where I was able to retire from paychecks and come over full time to 401k generation. Then I studied for eight straight months, locked myself in an office, failed my financial advising test three times, uh, like, like a good athlete would, but kept coming back. And, uh, when I passed it, man, I just sat there and I sat there and I was like, I did it, man. I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I did it. Finally passed it. And so in 2014, my business partner gave me an opportunity to buy him out. Um, and so we ended up buying out our business partner and my wife and I own 100% of 401k generation. At the time we had about 200 million under management. Um, and then uh, I came up with a concept that I took back to my employer. This is why you don't burn bridges in your life. I had a concept that I knew they needed and I built relationships while I worked there. And so when I went to them, even though I quit, when I went to them, they had open ears about what I was going to offer them, which we, I had a concept that they needed. It, it, it's it's a, called a 316 fiduciary, but it's something that in their plans they really needed. It was going to make their clients a lot happier for having. Um, you know, I flew all over the country for about a, a year straight trying to really pitch what I was going to do and get good relationships. And uh, we went from 200 million under management, which is a nice size local firm to 4 billion under management, which is where we are today. Uh, and went from one employee, now we're over 40 employees. And all I do is hang out and talk football all the time, which is where my real dream in life, uh, to hang out with y'all and talk football and, and do what we do today. So that's my story, man. Now we're at 2024 and uh, 2023, got three kids and hanging out. Man, that's a dream, man. That's, that's, that's the American dream when you come from, yeah. you know, from nothing to something, man. That's, that's so inspiring, man. Just listen to it, uh, learning your story, just uh, just really hustling, grit and grind and determination to 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 change your family, you know, you know, dynamic and change, you know, your legacy. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying? that was big to me. Yeah, that was big to me. I love that you said it that way too. Because when you grow up with nothing and you don't have money, like it for me, I was like, I I always dreamed about being able to do that. I thought baseball was going to be my ticket 
found out that baseball got me to college where I was exposed to other things in life that really became my ticket. And today I wouldn't trade what I do today for any major league career. I get to stay home all the time and annoy my kids every day and annoy David and you guys every day on yeah. spaces. That's better yeah. than traveling the world. I'd rather, I'd rather be with my family any day of the week and hang out with y'all. Man, you grow to learn that too and to understand that. Mike, you want to say something? Go ahead, Mike. Yep. Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah man. Um, but so uh, just talk about, you know, um, now, man, talk about how you came up with uh, with the Gator Collective, how you want to, uh, you know, bring Florida back to dominance when, as when we, uh, I grew up loving, I grew up, that's how I became a Gator. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, um, my, 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 um, my family, my grandmama's brother from uh, he's from Georgia, but he moved to St. Pete and stuff. So we used to go visit him and the Gator Games Beyond. We talk about it, and then you know Spurrier was always my guy. I was like, man, I love this guy. I'm gonna go play for him one day. And um, his press conference, him beating up on Georgia, and uh, my brothers, my my dad, all of them. I'm the only Gator in my uh, out of all my siblings in, in my family and stuff like that. And so just growing up, I they they, they get on me now because all everything I tortured them when I was a kid. So they couldn't say <laughs> nothing. And so, you know, just every year seeing Georgia losing and even when the years they did beat us very few. Um and they lose in the SEC championship or don't make it to the, you know, national championship are always blessings to me. So um yeah, uh, just talk about it how it's you a long know. time. No, it ain't. Um Let's talk about how you want to become, uh, help Florida get back to dominance and um, how you started the uh, Gator Collective. Yeah. So when, when NIL uh, launched July 2021, I started trying to – look, I was in a position where, quite frankly, I don't really do a lot anymore. Like uh, my company runs itself. I got financial advisors getting plans. Plans coming in. Money's being managed. I got a COO. I got team leads. And all I did for the last decade was wear orange and blue every day and go to the gym and kind of hang out. And so sitting around and hearing that NIL was launching and knowing that it was going to be independent from the um, from the UAA, it needed somebody that knew about running a company and building something. Um, I looked around the landscape. I'm a bull gator. I go to uh, booster events, and, but I'm like one of the youngest. Like a lot of them are a lot older than us. And so I, I started asking myself, who's going to do something for Florida? Like, is anyone going to step up and come up with a concept that can really organize the NIL space? And knowing that it wasn't really happening as quickly as I wanted it to, um, I wanted to get something started right away. Um, it never, for me, was supposed to be a permanent thing. I don't Because one thing I've learned, and we'll dive into that in a minute, is it's really hard work. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy to do this. It's not fun. It's not glamorous. It's actually just the opposite. It's pretty miserable work when you're the front man. Um, you're blamed for everything. True or not, doesn't matter. Um, and then you, um, and then it's never going to be enough. So it becomes very difficult. Um, and so, uh, but I did want to start the concept. I know a, a, a legitimate concept that can actually snowball into something bigger is what was needed. So I started conceptualizing, well, what do the Gators have? In Texas, they have they have oil beneath their feet. They have all the, they, they, their money is kind of there, but what does Florida have? And doing a little business research on what Florida is 
Florida is the flagship university in the state. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Learfield Sports because we were up in the Jumbotrons at the stadium and all that. Yep. We have 3.3 million fans in the state. We're larger than the Miami Dolphins in the state. We're larger than any team in the state. Florida State doesn't have half. Miami's nowhere near us as far as number of fans, right? And so I started saying our, uh, our secret sauce is crowdsourcing, is the Netflix kind of idea where if everyone has 30 cents a day in their pocket, then maybe we can grow something that could slay the elephant. Inside the Gator Collective, I came up with that phrase, slay the elephant. Which is go? We need to we need to figure out a way to utilize the NIL space to surpass Alabama, and that was my idea from the beginning, from the jump, and and kind of and then what we would do is the players would be entertaining the fans. We would do spaces events. We would do face to face events. We would call kids on their birthdays. We would have a you know a, a football forum. We would, we would get involved with all the podcasters and people around Gator Nation. We would send players to them. We would try to really make it a community-driven NIL. And so we were the first in the country to really really spearhead it this way. Uh, and, uh, you know, and again, I'm not kidding you. Every school called us. We talked to, we I talked to business people at Georgia, talked to people at, I talked to, we talked to the head coach of Utah, which was weird because we were about to play them. He called us up. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing there? I need to do something for Utah here. We know, I know we're not competitors. I know we're playing week one, but Kyle, you know, he calls us up and he just wants to talk to us and he wants to know what we're doing because we were getting, you know, we had, we got up to 3000 members and we did that by our own sweat and tears. We basically utilized Twitter and we utilized uh, some of the relationships we've developed with guys like Dave and you guys to say, Hey, let's get something going for Florida because we need to do something. And honestly, our average donation was probably 15 bucks a month. And we were, and we ended up doing, because we had a few millionaires kind of chipping. And I say a few, <laughs> it wasn't a lot, but we ended up doing 254 athletes and over, over $7 million in a year and a half in 17 months, in a 17 months, we did 254 athletes and over $7 million we were able to do for those athletes of real money real money and they were making an income and that was the beautiful part about it and they were entertaining the fans to do it uh and that was the that was the real amazing part about being part of that for my 17 months doing that very hard work um before you start something make sure you know kind of what's coming uh and no good deed goes unpunished so it, but but let me tell you something it was worth it and i feel like um from the perspective of getting this thing going and now uh hopefully spinning off into florida victorious and Florida Victoria is taking the baton and bringing it even further. This is what Florida needs. You know, I've always said that from day one. We need to get it going in that respect um, so that we don't have any shortcomings. Uh, we would have had a lot more yeses if I had more money. Uh, you know, I would tell you, like, if we had bigger <laughs> NIL, we get bigger yeses. And uh, fans want to see the chicken before the egg, not the egg before the chicken, right? And so, so people are like, well, if we get the recruit, then I'll join. I'd be like, no, you need to join so we can get the players to come. It was opposite of what you think. You're the reason they won't come yet. And okay. like people never looked at it that way. And so I hope, I hope as, as it becomes more normal. And again, that was the other thing. It was 2021. Dan Mullen wouldn't even talk to us because he didn't realize the importance. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we would get kind of like, oh, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, and that was kind of the first two years of running the NIL. You know, and, you know, there was not really that involvement. And in their defense, the law really didn't stipulate how much they can get involved. 
So everyone was kind of scared of NIL, even though it was written that it's legal. It's like, what is what is NIL? People had a very limited understanding of it. So um, now that all that's behind us, I'm really hoping that uh, the new NIL at Florida, Florida Victorious, that they thrive, they strive, they take off, fans get behind it, don't hesitate. And um, that's the only way we're going to be NILU. Um, the good news is I feel like we're the one of the few that actually have a buildable NIL. I think a lot of people are still counting on the few to be generous. And to me, that's not a good long-term business strategy at all. And that you, eventually the few might say, oh, you know, I'm not going to be doing this anymore, you know, for whatever reason. And that that's really nerve wracking. That's why diversification and having thousands and thousands of people putting in is so important because no one can decide to end you overnight at that point. Dope. Uh, so just, uh, I mean, even that's very, very commendable. Um, and man, I'm proud of you, what you did, man, even through the ups and downs and everything about it. Um, uh, uh, but so like how many, how many kids you, well, well, I'll say this, what's the average y'all done a year for to support the kids in all sports? Man, I'll tell you what, it's hard to say the average because we did everything from being paid an NIL deal to do a one-time event to being paid a six-month salary to do an NIL deal. Um, we also did business-to-business -business NIL deals. Um, you know, we got the first car deal in Gator history for Anthony Richardson, um, oh. you know, and that was, you know, and so we helped kind of or orchestrate that stuff. We were the first, and look, when you're the first at anything, you're chopping down the trees to build a trail, right? There's no trail yet. So you don't realize, you don't know what you don't know until you head west and you realize that there's a lot of areas to trip over and things like that. And so we experienced a lot of the bad early simply to hopefully pave the way so that we all can learn from things and make the better moving forward. One thing that we did do a good job of, I think, is diversifying. We wanted everyone to wet their whistle that deserved to, right? And that included other teams, too. We had our basketball coach that wanted to retain Colin Castleton. Had to get him a deal, right? Uh, you know, he, you know, when, at, that, at that time, we had other teams like Georgia and Missouri and, you know, that players that were potentially going to hit the portal. And I had, we had to kick save those players from hitting the portal. And so uh, I believe the budget at Florida needs to be at least $20 million just for football to, to wow. be healthy. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I actually had it down by position group, by, by number of players and what they need to make. And so, so I think a $20 million football budget would, would be, we'd be, we'd probably be top three, top two recruiting class every single year in the country if we had that kind of budget just for football. And that's my opinion. Yeah. So when you come mm -hmm. with the numbers um, to, to, to the uh, UAA or people at Florida, the powers that be, um, how did they receive that? Do, do, they, do they agree with the budget number? Well, so we never really – yeah, we didn't talk budget with them because they're not really supposed to gotcha. dive into that. But what – but I will tell you, verbally, everyone is receptive. Everyone knows that Florida needs an NIL, right? The problem is getting there. It's so tough to get people to understand that their $15 a month or whatever it costs today to join Florida Victorious, that it actually matters, right? The hardest thing is getting people to grab their debit card and get involved. That, to me, was 
I mean, I used to lose sleep over it. I also was in a position where I had 35 contracts going at the same time and I'm fundraising and I'm watching the number, hoping that it will continue to creep up so we can get some breathing room. You know, one thing I, I've never said is during my entire time for two years, I never took one penny of the money, not one penny. And, you know, I, I've been blessed in that area of my life already, so I didn't need to. But it was never one of those things where I took anything. There was no penny to take. It literally was, we made the money. We paid the, the, the players that were on NIL. And we never were late with one check to any of them. That also makes me very proud. Um, and that we, we always we always been able to get the money for them and get them paid. And uh, it was, it, but it was, it was nerve wracking. Um, and th I, I thank God for a few major boosters that did step up at times that we really needed the help. Some of these same guys are still on their advisory board helping Florida victorious. But, you know, I want to emphasize for Gator Nation, you we still need to replace them. Like I always said to them, look, thank you for helping me in year one and year two. I'm hoping by year four and year five, we have enough people involved that we don't need major contributions anymore. That's kind of the goal. Because then yeah. you truly are running a company. Look, a wise man once told me you own a real company when it doesn't need you anymore. Correct. When you become like, like a nuisance to the people at your company and it's just kind of running itself and you can like do whatever, now you have a real company. Well, I'm hoping the NIL at Florida becomes that mature, that it's just running on autopilot. It's a, There's not this, this chase after the dollar kind of thing uh, every month to just to kind of fill the fill the gaps yeah so let me ask you then so like i guess now so a lot of a lot of people come these kids have these expectations or whatever the case may be throughout the recruiting process and everything so how do uh a three-star kid that's gonna eventually get bumped maybe to a four a top 150 or 100 a top 75 player know his worth you know i'm like how I know I'm worth hypothetically eighty thousand. Like I got, I got a yeah, I got a controversial opinion on this. It's, it's. I don't think anyone really has a value outside of what someone was willing to pay for them. Like there isn't, there isn't really a said number. I see like these arbitrary numbers, nil value, and I laugh. I'm like. Where did that number come from? Where'd you get 28,750 for X kid, for X athlete? You know, th the truth is it's hard to justify monetary value without having a product to prove it. At Nike, for example, from what I heard, they never paid any signing bonuses above $10,000 when they'd even launch your sneaker. Mm. They would basically say, let's get you going and let's see how well these Jordans sell to determine how much you should make. And so, so for me, like, how do you justify paying someone when you can't really see how many socks, how many hats, how many jerseys, how the NFT sells or anything like that? How could you give that a number if it's not actually creating any sort of ROI, um, you know, or return on investment that is tangible and can be proven? For us, what we would do is we'd get all these players and we would see our our um, our memberships either go up or down, right? And the biggest days we ever had was like week one, we brought in all these members because everyone was excited about NIL. But outside of that, it was very, very limited. Got you.
Uh, I appreciate. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. By the way, thank you. Yeah, man. All right, I've been wanting to do this for a minute. Be quiet, Zeus. Um. So just all right, we could talk about uh, RJ. Zay, y'all got any debate on the Mike, you got any questions? Uh, I, we can get away from the NIL stuff, man. Talk some real ball, man. So, what, what you? How you feel? That's about because this? RJ's RJ Tennessee's broke. We know this, bro. Oh, yeah, bro, yeah, stop, yeah, bro. Yeah. I got more money than you. <laughs> I got more money than you. What you spent all that money nah. on Nico, bro. You, you spent all that money. You, you on see Nico. who got the number one NIL company right now, man. Stop playing with Spy Sports Group, man. All right, but anyway, back to this talking about. Look, what's hey, um, RJ, I was finna say, yeah, what's up? What's up? Uh, so I want to ask David, we get into this, um, real quick. I know, David, we don't got long with you guys. Um, appreciate you, David. Um, Soda Quest for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, check out David with Hot Top Sports. Uh, uh, he does a lot of breakdown with his podcast. It's getting swamped. Uh, I listen to listen to your um, show. Uh, uh, great guy. So, David, um, you had the on three guys come on on, on the show, and um, just talk about how you know the. Two four seven and on three be kind of biased towards these kids when they commit to Florida. Um, you know, you know Georgia get the luxury at Bama. We it was always a bum. I'm at Bama, a Bama bump or UGA bump or, you know, uh, what's the other powerhouse or some other, you know, Oklahoma at the time. Sometimes they always get the bump. Um, talk about your your interaction with that. Uh, it all started with. Basically, there was a lot of people complaining on the internet, uh, especially on Twitter from like multiple fan bases. I mean, Michigan State, one of their players came out and uh, said something about their ranking. Uh, I had a, actually an LSU commit <laughs> actually sent me a DM and said, hey, thanks for standing up for us. And I was like, I don't know what I stood up for, but hey, all right. Um, but uh, it, it basically Shelton was taking tweets from either players or some of the other fans that were on Twitter it saying hey basically this is a little bit sus like just you know whatever it, just because you say something sus doesn't mean that it actually is happening it just means that like hey it looks a little bit suspect you know <laughs> that's all it really means so i kind of posted a little bit of video clips on there and uh shannon terry actually reached out to me and he said hey do you guys want to get me on for an interview and i texted shelton and i said hey he wants to come on for an interview he's got these times he can do today tomorrow morning and so he's like oh let's do it in an hour and and we, we got together and that's kind of how that whole thing came about um, during the interview is basically Shelton and uh, Shannon basically talking amongst each other. I kind of sat in the background. I didn't really have questions about like the ranking part aspect of it, but there was like a few other questions I had because some of the, the articles they released, all that other kind of stuff. And uh, the, the gist of that interview, um, you know, and I have a lot of respect for Shannon Terry. I mean, he built rivals, sold it to Yahoo built 24 seven, sold it to CBS sports. And now he's got on three. And uh, anyway, they, they he, you could tell Shannon kind of was in a really, really like he was in an irritated mood because he, he got a lot of fire from a lot of fan base. It wouldn't just, it wouldn't just Florida fans. I mean, right. There's a lot of Texas fans. Uh, Tennessee fans were, were mad because one of their five star players got dropped like 100 spots or something like that. So it was going around like everywhere. So we were just kind of covering it and just saying, hey, man, this <laughs> all these fans are upset. All these players are upset. What's going on? You know? And uh, the smoke's always kind of been there when they when they first started. I mean, like everybody was complaining about the rankings when it first started. It's just the fact that the smoke got really, really, really hot. And then they decided to respond because like it was multiple fan bases doing it. So that's why we were just like, OK, well, yeah, we'll, we'll take the interview, whatever. 
when he got to the interview, he was just upset. You could tell that like he was in a really, really bad mood. And Shelton was trying to kind of explain, you know, usually when you do an interview and I kind of do it too, I'll explain a little bit. Shelton kind of sometimes tends to lead on a little bit longer than most people, but uh, you you explain it and then you ask the question. The problem with that interview was I was sitting in the background and I was listening and Shannon gave the same answer for every question, but at the same time, Shelton never got to finish anything to ask him a different question. And Shelton had like, he, he was just saying, okay, well, what do you got to say about the players? What do you got to say about the, he was trying to give him an out to, to help better, like better authority. So it didn't make him look as bad, but that whole interview just made him look even worse because he was interview, like, he was interrupting him every time he cursed too. Like he said, the F word and all that other kind of stuff. And we were just yeah. like, wow, like, like I'm just sitting there in the background and I was, I was going to like intervene and be like, Hey man, let, let Shelton finish. But then at the same time, I was just like, you know what? He's already making it bad for himself. I'm just going to let him go. So he went and he did his thing and, and, you know, it, it, I won't say like, as I said, I have a lot of respect for, for Shannon and what he's done, but just cause you respect somebody doesn't mean that like, you, you don't, you can't dislike what they, like they did on your interview. Like I, I personally was like, sit there like, okay, well, you're just going to make it worse for yourself if you keep doing this. So anyway, that interview was over. And um, I, I had some questions not related to recruiting to ask him. I didn't care about the whole ranking thing, whatever. And um, Pete Nakos, he released an article, National Writer for On3, about the whole Rashada situation. And, and Eddie, I don't know what Eddie's doing right now, but uh, he released an article about it. And he got one side of the story. He got Miami's side of the story and never called Eddie, never called Jen, uh, never even contacted Gator Collective at the time. And they ran with just one side of the story. And I asked him, I said, well, why, why did that happen? Well, like usually like when you're, when you're in media and I've, I've done it before, like I've, I've worked for sites where I've had to report on things, you get both sides of the story. If there is two sides. Now, if there's one side, you get one side, you're good. Uh, he didn't even try to even contact Eddie and, and me and Eddie, we talked on the phone about this when it happened. And of course, I, I'm not going to say anything because I told him I wouldn't. And you know, there's legal stuff in it too. You can't say things about certain things. And, um, I finally was able to to like get the actual stories. That's why I asked Shannon and I drilled him on it. And he kept telling me, well, I don't know. And I'm like, I, I said, I get that. Like you're the CEO. You probably have, you have like 200 people that work underneath you. You can't be everywhere at all times. I get that part. But that was a big national story. That was a big NIL national story last year. That was probably one of the biggest. Like he already knew who who had the article, like who, who already made the article. So like, how can you not know what happened? You You know what happened in that situation, but like, that was the part where he was just like, well, I don't know. And he said he would get back to me on it. And he never did. Like, I'm, I'm still waiting. Nobody's gotten back to me on anything. So, um, and then we went into the old Austin Simmons thing. And Shelton had asked him, well, Newberg put out a video through the, you know, the Austin Simmons thing. And he's like, well, basically he was saying that Keith came out and, and, and said it first. And then Newberg put the video out. And I said, it really doesn't matter who did what first. I said, it's still on three's fault because they reported the wrong thing. And they reported way too early, like a day or two too early. Yep. And he went on coach, coach Hayes. I have a, I love coach Hayes to death. I have a lot of respect for that guy too. I've been on, I've been on a show a couple of times. He reviews a lot of high school players and it does a really good job on that. Uh, he's a Miami guy. So he had on, you know, Austin Simmons and Austin Simmons said, yes, I'm going to enroll early. I'm going to reclassify 2023, but I'm flipping my commitment to Ole Miss. So then it put them under a lot of heat right there. And, and I tried to like Shelton tried to ask him about it, but of course it was the same response. So that's why there was like a lot of heat. We tried to sit there and, and like, let Shannon explain everything. And, and maybe there was a, a good out for him, or maybe he could explain why this is this way and why this was reported the wrong way. we got nothing, <laughs> nothing at all, but the same answer about the rankings. And then I don't know the rest of the whole way. So 
that's why like it, it got a lot more heat for him and it wasn't it wasn't the fact that we were trying to do it we were just wanting to know like why is it this way because people people wondering like we have fans that ask us why on three is not uh, like so biased and all this other kind of stuff i don't know i'm just asking the questions like i say on on twitter i just report the news right <laughs> so yeah i was yeah. just asking questions to him and it, 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 it blew up like I don't know, way worse than what it should have for it. It just made him look worse. And I wish he would have at least took the time to listen to Shelton and actually answer the questions that he had to eat it that we had. And he he didn't let him. And I think that's what a lot of other Florida fans and some other fans of other sites are, are still irritated about. And I knew on three went under a lot of he he went on a lot of podcasts and shows and he did a lot of them. And I, I haven't even listened to any of them. So um, but that's where it all stemmed from was the fact that, like, you know. Ever since they started, and he said that they're going to make mistakes. It's a startup company. They're going to make mistakes. Um, reporting on a big NIL story, you probably want to get both sides. That's a huge mistake, dude. <laughs> reporting on somebody's commitment two days or however many days it was early and then have it being wrong, too, that's pretty bad, too. So that's why I was just like, sometimes it's okay to be first in the in that industry. But if, you're, if you want to be first, you have to make sure that that information is 100% correct. Kid's already enrolled. He can't go back. He can't change his mind. And then you report on it. Like, and, and that was that wasn't the case. So that that's kind of where all that kind of stuff stemmed from was the, the interactions on Twitter uh, and, and everything else. We were just trying to get down to the bottom of it and, and then try to help him out. And he just didn't help himself at all. So so Eddie's so Eddie, did they ever reach out to you for your perspective? No, I, I never I never spoke to anyone. Uh to do that now i will tell you um great conversations with other folks uh in low you know great local you know podcasters and david and you guys and like great conversations on that level um i would say this um I, i'm hoping we learn from from it and i'm hoping that um what ends up happening is whether you're a georgia bulldog podcaster or um Florida Gators or Tennessee, whoever you're with, um, you guys know more about your program than national people any day of the week. Thank and you, and so and, and you actually know about your program. You're not just a, a talking head off of like the Paul Feinbaum show. No offense to Paul Feinbaum. Uh, but the 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 truth be told is is now that you know David even set that standard, hey, challenge truth to get to the truth, right? challenge what's happening and then use common sense after you challenge it. Um, you know, then that that's really going to help fix a lot of this. Um, at the end of the day, um, the player involved in that didn't deserve that. You know, he didn't deserve that. Um, I'm an adult, like I'm, 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 I'm in my mid forties and, but, but I, I wasn't so much worried about me. Like I, Florida didn't deserve what was said. The player involved didn't deserve what was said. Um, yep. and it would just, it, it's just, it, it just gets ugly because it's just not verified information. And so, uh, you know, I'm just glad that I think everyone's moved past all of it. And, um, and I feel like, uh, you know, for the best, it, it's just, we're, we're moving in the right direction with it. And I think it's also going to help. Like you almost look at things like you would, when you look at the stock market, if we're steer, uh, students of history, you had the great depression, that was terrible. Right. But what happened after the Great Depression? Right. Regul certain regulations to protect the individual investors were put in place. And so I'm hoping the same thing happens with NIL throughout the history of it. Right. We, we, we headed west. 
We started with uh, a real uh, controversial idea that we all in deep down believe players should be being compensated for their efforts, right? We cheer for a multi-billion dollar sport that we pretend that they should not be making anything except for a scholarship for the longest time. Now that pretend is over and it's like, okay, now let's find out a way to monetize this for them. For many of them, this is going to be their earning years in football. Right. Even though they're not paid to play, quote unquote, this is their earning years being paid on their name, image and likeness for playing the sport that they play. And so I'm excited that that can happen, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, I really appreciate uh, podcasters and those that are really have a love for their school because you guys are the ones who typically bring truth to light. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's never going to be somebody on a net. They're going to learn from you guys. So I appreciate everything that was done by David and and a lot of the a lot of the people on a local level. And I want to put, you know, Nick Delatore and, uh, you know, even Andy Staples, who's a Florida Gator. You know, the all these folks really are like, OK, you know, let's really try to figure things out a little bit more than it has been figured out. So I really appreciate that coming from me. I mean, it's I I lived right through that. That was a crazy time, but but I'm glad to see we're kind of past it. Yeah, let me interject here for a second, man. And I know you've you've, you've got a Georgia Bulldog guy on here too, and I'm pretty sure they're experiencing the same things with the AJC right now. <laughs> so yeah, I made a few jokes yeah. on Twitter, but I know that that that's pretty real. Like like I know that the AJC, there's a lot of stuff going on with that right now. So I I, I know how y'all feel. <laughs> man, they. Talk about that though, Mike, man. And you know, I yeah. but that they've been doing this for years, all these national writers, all these national guys. And now I'll talk about it amongst my, my family and my friends and stuff. They're like, Larry, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know this and know that. Until they realize, you know, what's really going on. They starting to pay attention to certain uh certain stories now that hey man, what's really going on? And so I'm just happy, you know. For y'all guys to even confirm the stuff I've been saying for years, even with recruiting ranking with different different type different types of uh quarterbacks and uh, different types of players and stuff like that. So well, what you asking. what you mean by that? What what you mean? Have you not been listening for the last 20 I've been minutes? listening, but what are you talking about? What you what you trying to say, just say it because cause I'm I'm ready for you. What what, what, what yeah, you you know what Larry's trying to say. You know that Larry, that little Georgia hey, bug. Man, you, I know you trying to get it. I know. Hey, man. To, yeah, yeah, trying to get it. Go ahead, man. You know, I said y'all the Georgia bump and the Bama bump is red. It's biased towards y'all. And I mean, Gator, Gator bump too. Gator got. A, no, man, no goddamn Gator bump. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people bring up like the uh, the Chauncey Bowens bump, and really, I knew that bump was probably going to come anyway because he was playing really well. So I don't I don't really look at that like a sus. But like the last year with the Jordan Hall thing, like he was rated like 150, 120 the whole year. Two months, like it was like in November somewhere, he existed Georgia, and in two months he went up like a hundred spots. <laughs> like how does somebody right. do that in two months? Like they, even if they even if you have good lights out camps, there's no way. Oh. Uh. I don't know. So, I, I've been saying that for years, man. They, 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 why, they, why, 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 Jordan, why Jordan David didn't get no, uh, no phone? about Jordan Hall or Jordan Davis? I'm talking about Davis. Yeah, Larry said he's been saying it for years. So, why Jordan David didn't get that phone, Larry? I don't know. I, I can't speak, but majority of it, we've seen it on the, on the beat. 
scale that people, not only Florida fans, been feeling like this, like, you know, LSU, Texas, like he, David just said. Like, we been paying attention. So all three, so all three. It's a, even 247 been I'll, doing I'll this. Put in, I'll put another thing in there, too. I watched that Under Armour All-American game, and Zachary and Branch is really, really good. He couldn't he couldn't move up no matter what, whether he won MVP or not, which he did win MVP. He was still the number one. I think he was number one athlete or yeah. or whatever. So he wouldn't never went up anyway. Um, I think Peter Woods, he went up, he won MVP. And Peter Woods is, like, really, really good, too. Clemson got a good one with Peter Woods. But, like, Kelly Collins, he won MVP also, and he went down, like, five spots. And I'm like, how did he go down five spots? He won the MVP of the freaking Under Armour. Like, everybody else went up and he didn't. Like, I, had, like I, was, I was shocked, dude. I was so shocked. Hey, do, um, do Ohio State get bumps? Yes, I think so. Dylan Royola, he went down. Dylan Royola. Yeah, I think I think it has to do with the players' interest in camping too. Like, I think a lot of these uh, um, syndicates have uh, an interest in getting certain players to visit certain camps. But well, that's why you also get player misses too, right? Like they they um, you know they're not around to the ones that potentially this outlet or this you know this this website likes, and so it's a little bureaucratic to it. But you got to respect it too, right? Because you got to say, look most five stars, you know, they, they're probably going to be pretty dang good. You know, you know, you know, high fours, they're probably going to be pretty dang good. Now, are there misses? Yeah, absolutely. But that's why you want to always, that's why we got to look at the national titles and where these guys average. It's like, you know, the highest two classes are typically around at the end of the year. And, you know, yeah. it's amazing how that works. So I, I would say the different from Arch Manning, because he hardly went to any camps and they still kept him at number one. Well, we know why he got his bump. He'll get all the bumps he needs in life. Man, 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 man I, I kept telling folks, man, last year, man, that Nico was way better than, than Arch Man. I don't care. Oh, oh every and every it's funny. That's the worst kept secret. <laughs> Everyone like, knows like, that Nico is yeah. number one because your last name. Like I'm watching you play, like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not seeing number one quarterback. Like I'm not seeing. I like uh, I like Eli Holstein from for uh, Alabama. I liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know with uh with Tennessee, like we had two players that start that did, was that started off unranked and they finished the season. We had one guy, uh, David Hobbs, who was like either he was either unranked or he was a three star. I can't remember, but he wanted to work his way all the way to five. Yeah. And we had yeah. Nathan Leacock, who started off from not being ranked at all to being higher than Carnell Tate, which was crazy. I was like, man, you know. So, I mean, but, but, now, but see, but Hobbs got his, but Hobbs got his um. Update. He got his jump during the summer. That's when he got his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he it was. How did you feel like Arch? He started, he started off on ranked, or was he a three star? He was a three star. Uh, I think he started yeah. off as three star, but during the summer when you had Alabama, Georgia, all of them coming after them after the summertime, he moved yeah, up you, to. You see the two names. <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard the two names, right? That he said. Then you see Amari Jefferson get all this hype, bro. Even though I already knew he how Cody was, but it's just like so the Alabama Georgia started wanting him, bro. He, he started flying up the ranking. I was like, yeah, hey, man, it happens, bro. When it's, oh, when it's, 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 a, it's definitely Alabama Georgia. No, 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 it, it's clearly biased. Oh, 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 o
I'm just saying, any, 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 Alabama and Georgia go after a player, they, they go up in them rankings. That's all I'm saying. Wow. You look at, look okay. at, look at, bro. Like, he wasn't even a top 10 player, bro, and when, when it was Tennessee and Oklahoma. But as soon as y'all came in there, bro, and got number one, they, they, they number, one, number one, number one overall player. Like, come no, on, he bro. Top 10, he was top well, top ten, top fifteen. <laughs> That's why I said he was like he was like friends, top ten, bro. And then y'all became number his number one. Hey, what about three That's some bull. Like, what you mean? Hey, I, I, my philosophy has always been: commit to Georgia and wait till national signing day, and then flip, so you won't lose your ranking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Larry didn't see. It. <laughs> he know it, bro. Me, I see it. That Larry, <laughs> did. y'all see it. Hey, hey, hold on. So hey, it's Alabama and Georgia. That's it. Until you get on that damn field and develop, bro. That's yeah, yeah, real talk. Until you get on that field and develop, <laughs> man. It, it's man, just I hilarious. But like, like Georgia fans was trying to make it seem like they was all oh, well. They dropped Dylan Raiola just to bring up an Alabama quarterback to number one. Like I'm like, <laughs> it's either one of y'all too. Like <laughs> who, who said that, RJ? We we got we got six three we got six three stars. What are you talking about? They sick. even jumped up Ellis Robinson though. Ellis Robinson went up in the rank. Now nah, he should have. No. Yeah, yeah I know he bro. called. Him. He called. He I, I'm just saying. He would. He would. He would start on everybody else's defense with Georgia. He could, he would. I ain't gonna lie. He a beast. I can't even hate on him. Not he my was. secondary though. Bro, yeah, he, he's a starter. Your secondary in front of Marshall. No, he he'll start in front of Marshall right now. No, you won't. Easily, Larry. <laughs> Well, but you 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 got uh you got uh you got Tyke Smith who's fighting. You got Joe. You got Joe over there. Not only not my corners, my safeties. I give I give that my safeties are very very questionable. Right Lassiter now. would start for y'all, bro. What are we no, talking about? Lassiter would not start at at Florida. I saw your DBs, bro. They couldn't find the ball when it was nah, up in the you air. didn't see. Murder Larry, Murder 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 uh, Florida, the cornerback. Yeah. Which one? Jalen Kimber? What the hell? Oh, yeah, yeah how's he he's doing, started. by the way. Yeah. How's he doing? He's not starting right now. He's probably in the rotation, but right now, Devin. He Moore, did start, though, Larry. I feel like Where we got. The, what you think? I feel like we got the two best corner down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jalen, I, I, I think right now Jalen is starting opposite of Jason Marshall um, with um, with uh, Devin Moore being right behind him, or that could flip. I think it's I think it could be Marshall and Moore or Marshall and Kimber, but the, on that side of the ball, it'll be Kimber and Moore kind of platooning mostly. And then uh, on the opposite side, it'll be Jakeem Jackson and Marshall. Yeah, Marshall being the number one. Well, Marshall so that, sophomore, he a junior this year. He's first round. He's he's out after this year. Yeah, Marshall junior, true, true junior. I didn't ask you about first round. Okay, I didn't ask you that. But did, hey, do you see my name though? You, you like my name? No. Y'all like my name? Felipe it right. Felipe for no. You, I don't know. Let me see. I don't think you did. Hold on. No one spells that right. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No one spells that Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I can't remember. I I know he was, like, committed to LSU. Did he get a bump when he committed to Florida? I don't think he was already, like, a top four star. But the funny thing is, y'all got a bump when we flipped Bowens. All y'all players went up. 
That's the crazy part. That last update it was a June, mid June. All y'all players got a bump. I just look. Man, if you, I, hey, I, if you think about it, David, David, up, if, if Felipe Franks would have went to LSU, then chances are Joe Burrow never shows up there. So LSU could thank us for their national championship. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Hey, y'all want to know what's so crazy? I never heard nothing about a bump until we won. No. Oh, no. It's no, no, no. been a minute. That's <laughs> a lot. It's Georgia and Bama Bump been there. Yeah, I, I, ain't heard, I, haven't, I haven't heard nothing about a Bama Bump. You know what? I'm okay with that. Y'all need to develop y'all players, though. Y'all need to develop the three stars y'all have. Nah, they need to be four stars. Exactly. That's what they need to do. They stop bumping your players up there because y'all recruiting them. Like, so y'all can stay <laughs> well, But here's the thing, though. You see them get drafted. You see them get drafted. Shout out to Franks, man. I appreciate this. Jordan Bowen. <laughs> Jordan Bowen. <laughs> Florida DBs are trade. Yeah. yeah. I mean, respectfully, yeah. Man, no whatever. Uh, so, hey, so we could talk about real quick, man. Uh, uh, David and uh, Eddie, man. We got Fletcher Westfall, um, offensive lineman, tackle. Uh, I listened to his, uh, the guys from the Jacksonville 1010X uh, out of uh, – uh, the hacker Ryan Green, I like his show too. Uh, sometimes I listen to it. So uh, he had him on, and he he talked about you know why he chose uh, Florida over Clemson when these other three idiots on the show right here uh, <laughs> try to tell me why I think it's Clemson. I think it's Clemson. I just kept quiet because uh, appreciate the idiot. And, I know who uh, wasn't though was was definitely wasn't Georgia because our, our offensive line room is nice. Okay. Dead giveaways when when you saw all the people that actually know get little quiet on the timeline, you know he was coming to Florida at that point. Right. When yeah. when, when, yeah, when Clemson did, was talking about it, when, when Clemson was talking about it, and we were giggling and like, yeah, listen to the giggle. Yeah. We were like everyone because it was the worst. We all knew like every I that that was one of the worst kept secrets for everyone that knew that he was coming to us. Um, there's there, there there's there's uh, we tried our best, but everyone's laughing like we know what's under the tree door at Christmas. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, I remember I was told like a while back that like he he wasn't going to go to Clemson, and they were like keep it quiet. And then some, I, I think it was somebody had submitted a crystal ball like the day before, and I was like, well, it's already out there now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's already out there. Yeah, yeah. We got a uh, few more coming. You got yep. more coming. So do I we. Keep up. Hey. I gotta keep up. That's all I gotta so say. How, I'm gonna let y'all know right now. Tennessee about to rise up them rankings, man. Y'all, y'all think it's sweet now? Yeah, the Tennessee bump. Yeah, the Tennessee oh, bump. Right yeah, nah, my yeah. nephews got dropped, so I ain't trying to hit that Tennessee bump. We, we, I play a drop for some what, reason. What you mean? That got bump? What you mean? Drop. For some reason, Mike Matthews was top three wide receiver, and then so all of a sudden he five. Like, come on, bro. We know what he's going to. He, he might be trash. He might be trash. Mike Matthews, bro. <laughs> come on, bro. Hey, he trash. I'm, 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 I'm going to see him play. I'll tell you about it. He, he, he about 10 minutes from my house. Yeah, I'm gonna say y'all gonna watch the man play. He's gonna go stupid. You know, yeah, I might, I might go to a few Buford games this year. How many? Uh, how many is Tennessee expected to take this class? Do you know? I want to say twenty-seven. I, I want to say that, but I, I, I don't know. This NCAA shit just happened, so we might be losing some scholarships this year. Ah, so, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so, hey, <laughs> hey, I'll say that the NCAA slapped us on the wrist. Oh bro. yeah, oh they slapped yeah. Us on the wrist, bro. We could have came out of that terrible. Like they won't talk we about got us. A bowl band, bro. Uh, we lost a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so RJ, talk about uh, talk about the all three article uh, about Pruitt gave uh, Darnell Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I'm gonna go ahead on Georgia fans with this. I mean, man, we already knew Pruitt was paying folks, bro. I, I mean, I knew it. Y'all knew it. We were sorry, and but I'm saying we all the five star players somehow. <laughs> Three hundred dollars. You give him. You give him grocery food. <laughs> he was giving folks, he was giving folks money in McDonald's bags, bro. I mean, <laughs> we talking about Jamie Pruitt here. Maybe he gave some Walmart money and three hundred dollars. Yeah, and like I was, I was, I was, I was messing with uh with all the Georgia fans, and I'm like, I said, you know what? We paid him. He we paid him to go to Tennessee, and he he picked y'all. So what y'all what y'all doing over there? You know, said they made him go there. You know, and, and then Georgia fans we, denied we, we they paid, paid, we paid him six hundred. You gave him six hundred dollars. Yeah, y'all took care of that, that kid, man. Took care of that baby. We we took care of that kid. We had the best schools for. You know, we took care of. We, we did, you know. Yeah, y'all y'all took okay. care of him, all right. Y'all gave him a new Mercedes Benz. You know what I'm saying? Well, he probably bought him a new house. Actually, 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 y'all gave everything needed. We 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 just came to us. Yeah, yeah, innocence improved gifts. I don't know what you're talking about. See, the thing is, we didn't even get caught. We told on ourselves. That's exactly what we did. We we got tired of Pruitt, and we didn't <laughs> want to pay that, that buyout he had. He had a $12 million buyout, and we were like, nah, we're not paying Ooh. that. So we snitched on him, and we snitched on him <laughs> ourselves. Hey, <laughs> on uh, ourselves. Fun, fun Tennessee man. fact. They are the sixth highest SEC school in recruiting so far this cycle. But in every single other conference, they would be number two or number one. That's crazy. Who's crazy? But yeah. Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee. think they're going to come here and run the, run the conference somehow. <laughs> I don't know. They, they're, they're sixth highest in our conference right now. Right now, and I know it's still early, a lot, a lot of recruits to be had. But in every other conference, they would be number two or number one. Big Ten, they'd be number two. Big 12, they'd be number one. Pac-12, they'd be number two. Like, as of right now. It's pretty crazy when you look at it that way. So, what do you think I'll, uh, Go ahead, Zay. Go ahead, Zay. I'm finna say, uh, we need to have a bend between Oklahoma and Texas. They talk oh, yeah. a lot of... Bro, they, talk, they talk a lot. They been over the SEC, bro. So, I need yeah, y'all to become a real Oklahoma and Texas fans. They coming over here to take Tennessee over. They need Tennessee to handle their business. Yeah, they trying to take hey, over. Bro. They talking about they the real. Tennessee going to do good. Tennessee going to do good. I don't know about Oklahoma. We got a traffic jam of just as good, though. That's the problem. LSU is not taking a backseat to Texas. Georgia is not taking a backseat to Texas. I hate to say it. I don't want to sound like a homer. Florida by next year is going to be kind of built, ready to not take a backseat to anybody. I tried to you know, tell them. Or, or, you know, you know, and you know, Tennessee, Tennessee's not taking a backseat to Texas. Like I hate to say it, like look at the numbers. I mean, it's just not going to happen that way. They're going to come here, and it's going to be mano y mano. They're as good, or they're not as good, week in and week out. And then it's up to coaching at that point. Yeah. I I try to tell them, man. I said, man, in the Big Twelve, you were you were probably the most talented team out of just about every team that you played against. You come over to the SEC, you are either like like he said, you're either as good or there's somebody's better than you. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna have to out scheme these people, bro. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's it's crazy. What about this, Eddie? Um, we was talking about this in the spaces the other day. And um, if Billy gets Graham Mertz. Drafted and played very serviceable. 
Murder Murder. It's, it's, it's gonna be crazy on that trail. I think Billy gonna he's always a great recruiter. Man, we talking about he's gonna be able to snatch being the same hunting with Lincoln Riley for us just recruiting, you know what I'm saying? Before it's the pitch and development. Like it's really gonna get crazy. Quarterbacks already love Billy right now. And then imagine him developing Graham Mertz. I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say this. Hey, remember, you, this is a recorded podcast. Remember, I said this when Mertz threw for 240 and had a really good second half in the spring game. And I know that he started 32 games in college football. See, when I was playing college baseball, year one for me was awful, got cut. Year three, I went six and zero, one pitcher of the year on my team, and made all and made SEC pitcher of the week twice, and that kind of thing. When when you get your head kicked in, as much as that guy got his head kicked in, sometimes you might figure it out to be a really good college quarterback. Like that's what it does happen. So I'm just saying, like people are acting like this guy's gonna. He was a top 100 recruit out of high school. He got his head kicked in. He's going. He had 32 starts. Uh, he ran for his life last year behind a terrible O-line, and he threw for 19 touchdowns and 10 picks. And now he's coming to Florida with a running game where we're run heavy. We might not even ask him to do that much. We're not asking him to go out there and be Anthony Richardson from last year and win us ball games. We're asking him to just don't, don't, don't make the mistakes and, and make the occasional good throw and, 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 and run for a first down when you got four yards of grass in front of you. Like, so, so, being asked to do less, a ton of experience, never know. You might have yourself a two-year starter that actually was pretty serviceable in college. Hey, uh, y'all want to know who you sound like right now? <laughs> you sound like me trying to defend Jerry Garantano back in the day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you yeah, sound like He was the number one quarterback. <laughs> he That's had true. all the talent. And actually, Garantano was probably NBA. better than the rest of your team, though. But Garantano yeah. was like probably better athletically than the rest of your team because he yeah. was a really good quarterback. Like, he yeah. actually was probably he better had- than a lot of the guys on that team. Where I think Mertz is not – Mertz isn't uh, – now, Dave, think about it for a second. And Larry, all the Gator fans, think about it for a second. Where do you put Mertz amongst the most talented players on the Florida Gators offense right now? Where would you say he is? Not, he's not more talented than Montreal Johnson. Probably not like when you start looking at your pieces. Who are the pieces that are going to be your stars? You probably say where he's at. Etn, you know, you probably say like what is he sixth? Yeah, probably right? six or seven. Right about there. So, like you start thinking about that, it's like okay, so we're asking him to be the sixth or seventh best player and and be good with the football, which is something we've really needed, right? Correct. You know that that that's kind of what we do need: be good with the football, make the throws you're supposed to throw. Let's not ask you to do too much in the same respect. I'll let David speak to it. He's he's more of an expert than I am, but that's kind of that's kind of like my thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it that that's basically the notion I get with it too. I mean, Anthony Richardson <laughs> last year, one hell of an athlete, man. I mean, the, the guy did more things with his legs and his athletic ability than he did passing the football. I mean, I mean, it, obviously, <laughs> pass plays were pretty. <laughs> for the most part, they were pretty accurate if he was passing it to a receiver. I have to uh, I have to knock him for that hail mary against Vanderbilt going into the stands. But other than that, um, I mean. Yeah, if you look at it, and I've done some research of PFF stats, I've done all sorts of like statistical, uh, just anything analytical that I could come up with that might help us out in this offense. We run a very, very run-heavy play-action offense, and that's where Graham Merce thrives. He thrives in play-action. He also is a way better passer in the zero to nine-yard range than Anthony Richardson was. When I looked at Anthony Richardson, I believe, and 
correct me if I'm wrong, it was between 40 or 50% in the zero to nine range completion rating. Uh, Graham Mertz is like 72. So like, you know that at least those slants and those short little pass plays that you need to get a first down or something, well, you, you'll get better at that. But it, it can Graham Mertz, you know, is, is he good on the 10 to 20 yard digs and then the route? Is he good on like the 20 plus yard deep passes? Um, I, I really don't think his statistics were like that bad considering his offensive line at Wisconsin. I mean, he probably didn't even have time enough to throw it 20 yards or 10 to 20 yards when he was getting pressured. I mean, he was four, I think he was sacked 47 times his whole career when he was there. He's pressured 200 and I think it was like 277 times out of 700 some odd attempts. I mean, that's like 30.6% of the time he's dropping back, he's getting pressured. So uh, you give him a little bit of slack on that. And you, and then I looked at his time to throw. It was like 2.78 seconds, which usually most good, decent quarterbacks are from 2.5 to 2.8. And um, if you're getting the football out pretty quickly, I mean, at least within a time to throw range, uh, you know, obviously the statistics don't look that well. His touchdown interception ratio was really horrible. But you look at his time to throw, you, you put everything in and you're just like, okay, well, he is a good decision-making quarterback, at least for when he wants to throw the football, obviously through picks, so you want to get rid of that. But I think if he can calm down on his interceptions, get a little bit more time in the pocket, he'll have a better offensive line. We'll, we'll see what the offensive line does. I think he'll have a better offensive line than what he did at Wisconsin, but he's also going to be playing harder competition. So that you got to factor that in too. So, um, you know, you look at that spring game, I don't really look too far into spring games because, I mean, I've seen – Felipe Franks look good in the spring game. Luke Del Rio look good in the spring game. And then you see you see Kyle Trask look really horrible in one spring game, and then he comes out and lights everybody up in 2020. So, I mean, that that spring game, I mean, you go, you go in there and then the press conference, even Graham Mertz said that the, the offense was dumbed down. And, you know, it's a different defense. And I think I'm more excited for how this defense is going gonna, is gonna to be because, you know, Austin Armstrong is a very – very he, he he'll blitz a lot uh, not like Todd Grantham blitz a lot but he's a lot more aggressive so I think the defense will improve I don't know how much they're going to improve but when you're rated statistically 113 different categories and I said this on Twitter earlier today there, there's nowhere to go but up <laughs> you can't go any worse than like 100 uh, hopefully yeah. it's not in the 120s but at the same time it's a whole different <laughs> all these guys are transferred in the portal and you brought in new guys so it's all going to look different to begin yeah. with anyway and somebody said, oh, yeah. yeah, you'll delete this tweet in 45 days. And I said, I said different. I never said it was going to be good or bad. <laughs> hey, I want I want to throw this in there. Um, I'm going to take two quarterbacks. Both came from the Big Ten. Both joined the SEC. One guy, uh, his last year in the Big Ten, and both are currently in the SEC right now. I'm not going to give you the names. <laughs> what, what, one guy went, uh, let's see here, threw for a 56.7% percentage completion rate, went for four touchdowns and four picks, and at 124.6 rating. The other guy in his last year in the Big Ten went for 2,136 yards, 57.3%, went 19 and 10. He also threw for a yard more per average throw uh, and, um, you know, has almost double the amount of yards in college football passing. Who are those two guys? Both SEC quarterbacks starting this year. RJ? <laughs> or Joe Milton. <laughs> Joe Milton. That's that's Joe Milton versus versus Graham Mertz in their last year in the Big Ten, oh, and man. and and one played for uh, behind Wisconsin, and the other guy played behind Michigan. And, and Michigan so, runs about ninety percent of the time. That's crazy. What, what, Joe, <laughs> what Joe Milton stats? What Joe Milton stats? Joe Milton's last last year at Michigan, he went he went for. Um, Yards per attempt, 6.9. He threw four touchdowns and had four interceptions and had a 124.6 uh, quarterback rating. Graham Mertz last year, 
He had he had a 135 quarterback rating, went for 7.2 yards per attempt, had 19 touchdowns, 10 picks, and went for 2,136 yards. Now he's trash, but the other guy's gonna be an all-star. He couldn't start for a team who ran about 90% of the time. Uh, it's cool though, man. But I got I got a question for y'all, man. I got a question for y'all. Y'all have Josh Hyper. <laughs> y'all have a quarterback. Hey, 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 hey. hey you, you saw what no hip DBV had got an interception on y'all. And no hip DBV. The, 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 the funny thing is like that. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't. We this is the same thing as what we talked about about the media. We got to be careful what we're listening to because people are people really don't know. They're just guessing. And and we give them so much credence, but they really don't know. Now, both of these guys were pretty high. Joe Milton was pretty highly touted, right? Yeah, out of yeah high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so was and so, and so and so was Graham Mertz, right? Both highly touted quarterbacks, both getting their first their big starting year ahead of them. I would say what let's a good question. The Tennessee talent and the Florida are are they similar in talent this year, or are they vastly separated? I think I, I think if. Talent wise, I think we're right on par, but I just feel like our scheme right now is just our system we're running is just it is better than what you guys are doing. That's that's the only I, reason I, why I feel like I agree. Your system is built, yeah. your system is built to make a quarterback shine. Um, mm -hmm. I agree with that. Now, I will say, and Gator fans will agree with me, last year we saw plays drawn up that we should have had done a certain way, but we were so athleticism quarterback friendly like we wanted we basically ran jailbreak every every hike jailbreak anthony what are you gonna do <laughs> that was kind of like our offensive game plan last year and anything was acceptable because of his upside this year i think we're gonna play more of a a system quarterback play with is that fair to say david Larry, what do you guys think? You, you guys are gonna really to see what you guys are gonna really see with uh with Billy Napier is as a coach this season. I feel like you know what I'm saying, like with his system, he's trying to implement at Florida with with Graham Merch because Graham Merch, like you said, doesn't have the athleticism to cook like Bryce Young. You know what I'm saying? It makes it out of nothing. You know, so you guys are gonna have to run a system to, that's gonna that's gonna benefit Graham Merch. You know, so. Yeah, do you think that's a breath of fresh air for Billy Napier? I think that's a breath of fresh air kind of for so. Billy Napier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think I think yeah. Billy Napier is really good at like adjusting to like a quarterback strengths even during the season. I mean, beginning of the season, obviously we saw Anthony Richardson; he was running and all that. I think he kind of did get hurt in that Kentucky game. They kept it out on the down low, and you didn't really see him running a lot. And they, and I guess like it, it was a, it was towards the end of the season. I think it was after the end of the season. Uh, he even somebody even said that like they asked Anthony Richardson not to run because of that because uh, he he was kind of banged up and they asked him not to do that but then you know you you go towards the end of the season he started running a little bit more and then obviously Trevor and, and Montreal Johnson they were kind of doing the heavy load work anyway in the running game so that wasn't an issue but that was and that was the only thing that really really like kind of spiraled Florida was the fact that Anthony Richardson. He could throw it to the right guy. The problem was he couldn't throw it accurately. <laughs> that was the problem. So, uh, yeah, in the in the in the Kentucky game, I think he experienced a lot of success week one. Um, I spoke I spoke to him, <laughs> and I and I and I spoke and I'm good friends with his agent. Spoke to him, and when we broke down what happened in that game, the big thing was he just let all of it get to him too much. Remember, remember his Heisman odds went up like five hundred percent. Something crazy after the Utah game, it, like it was. I, I think the noise kind of got involved just a little bit, 
And, and honestly, I think that was it. If I'm being honest on this right now, I'd, I'd say the noise. Like, and, but you did see him get better as the year progressed. The, the, the interceptions went way down. Um, his yep. FSU game was a great game. He played an amazing game at Tennessee. Um, but it was still some youthful stuff. Remember, he only played 13 games in college. The, the least tenured quarterback to be drafted in the first round since 2000 is Anthony Richardson. Like the least tenured in college uh, since 2000. That's 24 years. He's the yeah. least tenured quarterback in college to get drafted in the first round. So um, this guy, the guy we have coming this year, 32 starts. He's almost the most tenured SEC starting quarterback. He's right up there in the top three of the most starts in college football. So it's going to be a nice contrast to see what we got. Well, they, they edit, they talk about Graham Mertz, but uh, Georgia fans and everybody else, but you know, they won with Stetson Bennett. He was 26 years old. We didn't like, want yeah, him. that was it. Uh, that was a tenured quarterback. I, I, you know what? And Kirby, Kirby was the smartest guy in the building for saying, I want a guy with all this experience taking these snaps. Cause you know what? He's touching the ball so much. You want a guy that's been there, right? That's what I want too. Like I'm excited to get a guy that has a ton of experience. Yeah. Georgia has to go with a guy that has not started. We're going with a guy with 32 starts. Their guy and their team is more, their team is more talented. I don't know if their guy is, but their team is, but we have a guy with 32 starts. They have a guy with zero starts in college football. So that's a nice place to be for us at this moment. I'm excited as a Gator fan to get somebody with experience out there. I'll tell you right now, I started college. I was, a, I was a pitcher in college baseball. I started many games. I relieved in many games. There is a difference between a new guy and a guy that's been out there. Very big difference. The lights get real bright for new people. And and so, yeah. Hey, it didn't put the, uh, 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 what is his name? I'm just gonna put it out this way is that all we all are all, all, all that Carson Beck needs to score on Tennessee, Florida is 14 points. That's it. Oh, hey, hey Larry, did you uh you, you see uh you look at the chat? You yeah, know, you yeah. Uh, Joe Bowman was a his new subscriber. He, he uh, oh yeah, yeah, he the cleansing fan. Man. Yeah, we cool with him. I said y'all said something. Oh. No, I appreciate. I told him appreciate for the. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. And Chris said he a cook, Eddie. Who that's oh, Chris from Georgia. Man. He want to come in and yeah, he want to cook you, Eddie. Come on, Chris. Come on, Chris. Oh my. Chris right okay, yeah. Uh, Am I in? <laughs> Am I live? Yeah, yeah. you're live, uh, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, uh, you pitch, quiet. Eddie. Quiet. <laughs> Eddie, you pitch. You were a pretty high level pitcher in college, right? I mean, I, yeah, I pitched at Florida. Yep. Okay, so if you injured your thumb to the point where it required surgery, how good of a pitcher would you be at that point? No, if you injured your throwing I mean, thumb. Oh, my God. Well, you can't pitch with a bad thumb, right? So why does Joe Milton get all this hell when he hurt his thumb in the Indiana game? If you notice, if you look at his stats, see, you mentioned his stats as a whole, but you didn't notice that in that Indiana game, he had a severe drop-off. Do you think he forgot how to play football in that Indiana game, or do you think he went – like he went from a 300-yard passer game to a 90-yard passer game? Do you think, like, maybe something caused that, or or do you think he's just a bad quarterback? yeah. No, I don't think he's a bad – I think he's a good – I think he went for 10 touchdowns and zero picks last year. He's a good quarterback. It's like, amazing what coaching will do. It's amazing what coaching yeah. will do. I mean – well, we could talk about Josh Heupel's coaching uh, ceiling here in the next episode. Uh, but but with that being said, 
But but with that being said, I will say this: Joe Milton's a good quarterback. He went through his lumps. Remember, he didn't have a hurt thumb in 2019. You're talking about 2020, but in 2019, he, did, he didn't start 2019. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. If I look, like okay, I mean, he barely he barely played, but you know, you know, it, it's it's not it's not like uh, what I'm trying to say. The body of work isn't isn't like okay, this guy's ready to succeed. I think what well, you're arguing, because- you would agree with this. You would say that Hendon Hooker and Hendon Hooker's success with the Bolitnikoff on the outside and those guys is the reason you're so hyped about Joe Milton, right? Well, I mean, really you, talk about body, look at. You, you talk about body of work. I'm hyped at Josh Heupel's body of work. I, I think much like Anthony yes. Richardson was a mistake in the first mm-hmm. round, I think anybody taking Joe Milton in the first round would be a mistake. It would be great for our program, but I think he is a I quarterback that needs a good coach. But – and I've, been, and say, I've been where you are with Dan Mullen. Yep, I've been where you are. I had Kyle Trask with Dan, Dan Mullen, then I had Emory Jones with Dan Mullen. But Dan Mullen, the, the problem is, is Dan Mullen was like, I could fucking coach up my 12-year-old son to win games in the SEC, and you couldn't. That he, Kyle Trask and Dak Prescott got him a big head, and he thought, I could coach anybody to be a great quarterback, whereas Heupel will actually coach up. But he, he's not going to give up on recruiting and, and, and development because – the Jaguars turned him down. Like, that's not Josh Heupel's stuff. My thing is, is Josh Heupel's got all these good quarterbacks. Sitting there thinking Josh Heupel's not going to have a good quarterback and a good quarterback performance would be a a linebacker transferring from somewhere and going to Georgia and being like, Kirby ain't going to do nothing with that linebacker. He ain't going to do nothing with that linebacker. Like, it's ridiculous to think that Billy Napier, who's not known for quarterbacks, is going to do a better job with a quarterback who crashed and burned under Chris, who had some good quarterbacks, and and then Joe Milton's not going to succeed under Heifel. Like it, it's a it's a silly comparison. <laughs> I, I think I think Joe Milton will be pretty good. I don't know. I don't know if um I don't know if you're are are you saying Josh Heifel's a better coach than Dan Mullen was as far as scheming? I think he's a better quarterback so developer. Yeah, so that's why he's got a Heisman winner, uh, number one overall pick, all that stuff as a quarterback coach and or better or higher. Sam Bradford. Yeah. Okay, I mean, he had Tim Tebow. First. He was, oh, he wasn't. Oh, Sam Bradford. Oh, so he wasn't the yeah. head coach. So Dan, so Dan Mullen had Tim Tebow, but you, you're picking Sam Bradford. Okay, I'll give you Tim Tebow. I forgot about him. I mean, if you want to, if you want to have a running back that could throw the ball as your best, as your prestige quarterback, that's fine. Um, Sam Bradford got picked up on his arm, not because he he could <laughs> possibly play tight end or safety, like. Oh, he got a little sport, a little bounce. <laughs> hey, I, I, I love this show. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I nobody like picked it. Sam Bradford up, and they're like, "Well, if he sucks, we'll make him the tight end." Like nobody said that about Sam Bradford when they when they drafted him. Well, they did say he was trash, and he like the Eagles. If Sam Bradford, if Sam Bradford wasn't made out of glass, he, I mean, he was rookie of the year. He had an All Pro second year, and then he fell off because he was made out of glass. Like nobody can coach durability. Like that's just something you're born with. No, I don't want to. I don't want to tur- yeah, turn the podcast into spaces because I know that's kind of where we're headed, headed with it with does the. With, there, it, it does so, but but I will say, like, if we were looking at Josh Heupel's coaching prowess versus Dan Mullins, if that's kind of what we were looking at, Dan Mullins' coaching prowess is way more impressive than Josh Heupel's so far. Um, you know, and and I'm looking at the stats right now. I'm looking at his. Um, looks like he was three and two. He, he's he's two and three in his all time bowl career. Um, he coached at UCF under a Scott Frost built team. Um, he 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 progressively got worse. He started at twelve and one, then he went down to ten and three. Then he ended up at six and four. Then he got the hell out of town with with Danny White and shook it over to Tennessee. 
And so now with you guys, he got better, but that was with a Bolitnikoff and Hendon Hooker. And we still don't know what Milton's going to bring to us now that he's the man. That's all I'm bringing there. Now, I do like what he, um, Milton did. He went 10 touchdowns, zero picks in his limited time last year. And you do have Brew McCoy, and I love that guy, and I like Squirrel. I like what you guys got going on. There's some seriously good smoke at Tennessee. I love it. I love the guy you have behind Milton. I think he might be he might be the next Caleb Williams type. Like, Nico is the real deal, I believe. There's no questioning that. But, you know, it's going to be interesting because we, we downplay Billy Napier's offensive scheme, but Gator fans that have watched the tape and we look back, we don't hate what we saw. We hated the execution of what we saw. The play call was not a problem at Florida at all. And we went down to the last play with Anthony Richardson in Knoxville last year. Like the play call was not the issue. The the issue was was the execution of the play call. And with that being said, we had a very we had a very um, we didn't have a, a quarterback that was 24 that started 32 games in college at the time. But we had a first rounder with a ton of athletic ability who could very well be an amazing NFL quarterback developing into that. But you know that time will tell. So. I'm excited to see what we got. I'm excited to play you guys. I feel a lot more confident this year than I did last year going into Knoxville. Um, you know, I feel like we, we're a little bit more stable right now, you guys coming into the swamp. We'll see. I mean, Anthony Richardson, he did go off. I mean, he threw like 55 passes and had two touchdowns, so not a great rate. Um, but uh, we'll see. No, I mean, I, 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 would, I fear Anthony Richardson more than I do Grant Martz. And I think anybody would say that. Richardson yeah. also had almost 500 yards passing, too. Yeah, on 50-something, yeah. I mean, 50-something attempts. Well, I mean. He, he, yeah. well, I mean, he wasn't meant to throw touchdowns that game. He was meant to run touchdowns and running backs, running touchdowns and things like that. But any, anyway, it came down to the wire. You guys are coming to the swamp. I'm excited to have you guys in town. And it oh, won't, yeah. I promise you, we won't ask – uh, Graham Mertz to win the game on his shoulders. That won't be what you're going to see when you come visit us. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be gonna a be... multitude of running backs coming okay. at, coming at you guys. I mean, I think we held them to some of their lowest averages of the year, but sure, run it up. Run it up. This is, this is, this is, this is why I'll come in there with that game. I, I looked at that game in Knoxville and I, I think we did a damn good job on y'all run game. Now, we didn't do a damn good job on Anthony Richardson. I, Anthony Richardson told us to hell up. But that run game, we we did a good job on Trevor Etienne and Marcus Johnson. Now, I will say that now this game, I know these guys that, that was what the third game of the season. So they really they ain't established themselves yet. This time we play y'all, they're gonna be they're already established as, as one of the top running backs in the SEC. So I, I definitely want to see what we look like in, in the in the in the next matchup, Hypo versus um Billy. And you know, say so I remember the first game, Billy almost got to fighting with one of the refs. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the one y'all. The funniest takeaway from that game was like when we got the onside kick. I was thinking in my head is like, is Tennessee gonna mess this one up one more time? Hey, DeWan Black was it? DeWan Black, David? Am I remembering Man, that right? Uh, DeWan Black recovered. Yeah, I just had a feeling y'all did you kick? the game. Y'all got that dirt. But I think I think oh, a lot of that was here. Go. Like everybody talks about coaching mistakes and what coaches learn and, and, and whatnot. I think Heifel learned in that game that in the SEC, especially with equally talented teams, you can't take your gas, your foot off the gas. And I think the Heifel took his foot off the gas. And then you didn't see him do that. If he could score, he kept scoring. There was no. Oh, yeah. 
That, he, he I think we lost minutes left. Oh, what he was saying. Now because it's now six games six games later, you got people, y'all scored too much on Missouri. You guys are bullies. And it's like, okay, bro, what do you want? Do you want us to make every game close or do you want us to blow the fuck out of everybody? Like blow them out of the water. Like what do you want? Like there's no in between. Like and Heupel's not gonna do that again. So if you're gonna take your shot, I think you're gonna have to take it early, or he's just gonna run away with the game. I, I just yeah, Bru McCoy scares I, me on the outside. I like Bru McCoy a lot. He scares me. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, I, I like. That, uh, that, like I said, I, I agree with Chris Sam because there was a point in time we did go up 31, 38 to twenty one in that game, and he did take the foot off the gas and start trying to run the bar, run the clock out, and which helped you guys come back in that game. Not saying that there was nothing wrong that we did. We just can't, we can't we got to keep our foot on gas. We play Florida, and Florida but I think, never I, gonna go away. You know, what I think saying? you have to have a a solid. Now I don't. I'm talking my shit. I don't know what merch is going to be. We'll see. Like a coach change. I mean, it fixed Hendon Hooker. Hopefully, it fixes Joe Milton. It can fix Graham Mertz. I'm not going to sit here and be a total homer on that. We'll see what he is. But you have to, like, even um, like Stetson Bennett. Like we like to give Stetson Bennett. He went off. He went clutch. They scored enough to beat us. But like Alabama, we were beating the dog shit out of Alabama until they let uh, Bryce Young do what he wanted. They had good running backs. But we were beating them by 18 points, and then they were like, all right, man, we ain't going to beat this team running the ball. We've got to start passing it. And they they made it a close game. You're not going to beat us without a quarterback. If you've got Will Levis at quarterback, sorry, RJ, you're going to lose six. If you have a running back at quarterback like LSU did, we're going to beat the dog shit out of you. Hey, I, I will tell you this. We go like our DB department goes. I don't think the game's going to be won or loss of Graham Mertz. I, don't re- I really think that he's mature enough as a quarterback – with what he's going to be asked to do that game, he will not be the win or the loss. The win or the loss will be Jason Marshall lining up against Brew McCoy and, and, and on the opposite side of the ball with squirrel and all that stuff. That is going to be our chance to win. We don't, we're not going to stop you guys. You guys are going to get your points. We got to at least slow you down on what you guys want to do. And that will be our game right there. If you put up 38, we lose, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to pretend to sit here and say that, that we're going to win that game. You put up 38 points on us. Who are you replacing Dean with? Because I think that was a bit like with Alabama, if you have a slow safety, Tennessee is going to roast you. Like, anything is better than Dean. But that's uh, what I'm asking. Yeah, is our strong speed. I was, is probably Kamari. Will, yeah, Kamari and Miguel Mitchell are probably going to be our two safeties back there to uh, start. And then, and then we yeah, have Kamari's uh, pretty quick. RJ Moten. Yeah, uh, yeah RJ Mo, uh, RJ's our number two, probably on Miguel Mitchell's side. On the strong safety side, um, and uh, you know Jordan Ca- uh, Castell. I mean, <laughs> like yeah, I didn't, out. I didn't expect Dean to like run like a four four. Like I knew he was he wasn't the quickest dude, but his forty time and th- like it was honestly like my jaw dropped. I was like, you were that slow when you were starting. Like, ha- what happened to him? Because there's no way you run a four seven. As- I um I had posted a stat. <laughs> I looked at high the- school. And everybody wants to believe. I mean, Lenny Richardson cut off nearly half a second off. Of- yeah, he, uh, you in a you in a portal, man? Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's like lagging out or something. Uh, but it, I remember I had posted a stat on Twitter about like uh, who who's giving up the most yardage after the Tennessee game, and it was Trey Dean. It was at the safety spot. And I, said, Look, I like Trey Dean, whatever, but I think we need to try something different at that spot. Like, I don't know whether you replace somebody or you put them in a different spot. I don't know. I don't know how that scheme works. 
he, he sent me a DM pissed off. He was mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I will sorry. say, though, that Tennessee do have four wide receivers that I feel like people are going to respect this season. I just feel like we had Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton, who had a good game against you guys. With Ramel Keaton, uh, and we had Dante Thorne, who people don't don't know what Dante Thorne is going to be in his office. I think he's going to be running that higher role by taking the top off teams. And, you know, say I, Squirrel White can do the same thing, too. And obviously, you guys know Bruce McCoy. You know, he's the bruiser of the, of the, of the bunch. So I just feel like I mean, we got four wide receiver people going to expect. I think people are sleeping on our tight end room. We can we can make plays from the tight end room. We haven't been using them really, but like I mean, we used it a little bit when we played y'all. I think uh, Princeton Farm made a couple plays. I know he made a big third down catch against y'all. It was like a third and ten on that ninety nine yard drive we had on y'all. But other than that, like uh, we, yeah, we, we have we have an extra defensive coordinator, so that's so that's gonna be interesting to see him learn learn to take it. Yeah, you guys are trying to do. Yeah, hot Mike. Oh, so yeah, hear me. Yeah, go, go back up. Yeah, go back up. Yeah, I was saying, we have Mike and 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 we have Citrus Whoa. Bowl right now. They would be excited for the Citrus oh, Bowl. Man. They out there trying not to get shut out in the Las Vegas Bowl. Y'all talk about Citrus Bowls. Get out of here. <laughs> hey, fellas, I got a I got a real I got to have play catch with my sons, though, man. I'm letting you guys go Gators. I'm going to see you guys on spaces. I'm going to see you on the timeline. Uh, man, I'm excited about football. We got 40 days left. 40 days left. Yeah, we got like 40 days left for football. 40 days, 48, something like that. Like an alien. Here's your mic. Your mic. Yeah, my mic. My mic shut up. Later, guys. Appreciate it, Eddie. Yeah, I'm going to have to go here a little bit, too. So Yeah, yeah, we can kind of wrap this up, man. Yeah, we wrap it up. I mean, if y'all got anything else, though, man, I mean, I'm more than willing to, you know, stay, answer, whatever. Okay, um... How do you feel about uh, our, what you think we land in uh, recruiting? What you think? Mm, right now, I kind of looked at it. Um, Alabama's going to pass up because they've only got like 14 commits. They're already at number five. You know they're going to get more than 14, and they're going to probably be pretty elite recruits when they get them. So mm. I would assume somewhere four five, depending on what Texas A&M does too, maybe USC. Um, we could land in that four or five spot. Like it just depends on who we pick up. I, I kind of know – maybe who we're going to pick up here in the future. And if that happens, then I think we can stay in that five spot. Uh, I do know Alabama is probably going to pass us. I don't know about Michigan. Michigan may not hold on to that either up there too, but I would say we're at, I think we're at 275 right now. If we can reach like 290, uh, close to that 300 range, most top five teams get in that 290, 300 range. So I think maybe that could be the, probably the pinnacle of what we can do in this cycle, depending on, I mean, you, you never know how it's going to shake out during the season either. I mean, there, there could be flips, there could be anything else, but it's just like with what I know that what we're getting now, I, I, I would assume we at least finish 290. And actually, even if you finish 290 and you don't make it into the top five, that'll be the highest rated recruiting class that we've had in over a decade. Like the, the last time we hit 290 was in 2013 and that was Will Muschamp so I think he had 291 so I wrote an article on that too so uh the, the I, I did put Urban Meyer's class in there just to, to you know just because of how good we were recruiting just to kind of compare it and that was like in 2010 he was at 324 I, I don't see us reaching 320 or three anything in that <laughs> that range but if we can reach into the 290s that is a significant improvement from over a decade so I'll be happy with that no matter where our ranking goes or where it's at but if we reach 290 it's probably gonna be like five six 
four, depending on who gets what and everything else and how everything sh- shakes out. But Alabama will pass us. That 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 is going to happen. A and M could pass us too, but uh, or USC or something like that. It just depends on how it shakes out and what recruits they actually do get towards the end of the cycle. Bro, I'm watching my dogs win a natty right now against TCU. It's crazy. Oh my god! You know what was funny about that game too? It was so like mismatched. Like it was. It was I think it was like yeah. 38 to seven at halftime, and I stayed and watched it just to see how bad Georgia was going to blow them out. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I told people. I, my mom was like, she was like, "You going to the you going to the bar to watch the game?" And I was like, "I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to watch it here at home." I was like, "I'll probably be back pretty quickly. The game going to be over probably by halftime." <laughs> <laughs> like I knew they were gonna get killed. I was like, man, they ain't really uh, people. People were picking them and all that. So, because yeah. even they even I said on the podcast, y'all were gonna blow them out, bro. But I didn't think y'all yeah, would do sixty five to seven. I, I, I ain't think we gonna do that. I ain't think we gonna do that. But I, I said, uh, I said, I said twenty four. I said twenty four points. That's what I said going into the game. I said forty. I think I said like forty to like twenty twenty four. I thought it was gonna get like twenty on y'all. Other than that, they, they only had seven, bro. If they scored would, on the first drive, and y'all said, "All right, it's time to lock in." If you go they had to do a, they had to do a um, what do they call it? a crossing route, and that confused our DB, and that that just that was it. Yeah, it whatever that did, bro, they cut y'all on, bro. Y'all, yeah. y'all was, was on so point the whole game. Like <laughs> Georgia's players were so much bigger, athletic, and taller. All Seth and Bennett had to do was throw a 50-50 ball to them. <laughs> they caught it. Yeah. But I, I was looking back at that TCU Michigan game, and it took a lot of mistakes for Michigan to even like for even TCU to pull off that victory. I think Michigan would have been the better. I, I still think Georgia would have won, but I think Michigan would have been the better opponent to play them in the national championship. But when I when I look back and watch that game, it's like, dude, there's no way TCU's beating Georgia at all. And yeah. uh, of course, right off the bat, now now they did score right at the beginning, but I was like, dude, I don't think that's gonna hold up for a while, and it didn't. So. It was a funny. It was a really funny game to watch. I was texting all my Georgia buddies that live in Georgia here with me, and I was just like, "I told you guys that it was going to be a blow." Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is y'all? SEC what is your team this season? Chase Daniel. No, I, actually, I'm gonna shot. I've said this, and I say it in right now. It's gonna be Kentucky. I don't know why. I don't know Kentucky. how. I feel like I, I could see it because I like I like that Devin O'Leary guy, man. I'm just he's gonna. He, I think he's gonna shock some people, man. I, I think. Know. I think. I think oh. they're gonna be in their OC back. They, they got their OC back that made their their quarterback. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. They still ain't they still ain't got no receivers, man. They still ain't got nobody to throw to, really. Who? You said Kentucky, right? Yeah. They ain't got no receivers, man. They ain't got nobody to throw to, really. They got they got pretty good receivers. They just don't have every they don't everything else is sus. Maybe. But yeah, I, I think that's I'm, still, I'm still going with Chase A&M. They too talented to not be to be winning four games. <laughs> like, ain't no way. You know, if, 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 uh, uh, Evan Stewart, man, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that boy can play. If, yeah, um, then they got a third wide receiver that's nice too. What, when they Joe Petrino, if, he don't, if they don't bump heads, if they don't bump heads, he just Who they running coach. Back? Who they running backs? They got anybody know? I don't know. No, I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure they probably good. Yeah, I mean, they had A-Chain last year, and he was, you know, yeah, A-Chain. He was. A-Chain was good, too. Yeah, like, I don't know how they only won five games. <laughs> like, I don't understand it. Bro, they had no, I mean, they had no quarterback. Who, who, who had quarterback, Wigman? Yeah, Wigman. Yep. Okay, he might be all right. They, they, they talented, though. They, so, let's see. Um, running oh, back. They, they just had the freshman. I forgot they had Ruben Owens. Yeah, Ruben yeah, Owens. Ooh. 
But yeah, Monster. we gonna wrap this thing up, man. I, I gotta head to the gym, man. Give me a word. Yeah, we can, wrap, we can wrap it up. That's <laughs> it, man. I, Dave, I appreciate you, man, coming on, man. Kicking it. Appreciate it, bro. I enjoyed yeah, that. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Most definitely. Any anytime All you right. want me on, man, uh just send me a message if I can if I can swing it off, I'll, I'll come on. Okay. All right. Oh yeah, man. Even needs some help here, man. Yeah. Yeah, he needs some help. Even needs some help, man. All right, man. All right, thank you. Rap for the love of the game. All right, man. See it. Uh appreciate my uh subscribers, appreciate y'all tuning in. All right.